Hello and welcome. This is the For We Are Many podcast. We will be your hosts today. My name is Rob. Hi, my name is Trisha. And uh, we're here to talk about what's happening in the world around us. I guess to put it in simple terms. Um, every Monday we do this current event stream. Every Thursday we have our Revolutionary Left Book Club, which right now we are reading uh, Seize the Time, the story of the Black Panther Party by Bobby Seale. It's uh, proven to be quite informative and it's sparked a lot of good discussions. So if you haven't tuned into those yet, they're all available on our YouTube and our Facebook. They're all available on podcast platforms. Um, I encourage you to check to check those out as well as our historical pieces speaking of which we have one uh, a follow-up to the pullman strike piece coming out on wednesday that's part one of two in a series of the evolution of eugene debs after the pullman strike um what else do we have coming up trisha um well I mean, part two following that, obviously, the following Wednesday. Uh, every Thursday, we've got the Rev- Revolutionary Left Book Club. Um, we're working on uh, part eight of Bobby Seale's book uh, this Thursday. Other than that, I do believe we are setting up one for the AFL-CIO on the books to come after we finish this series here. Yeah, pretty much um, the struggle there comes down to resources and time. Um, There's only a limited number of us that actively do the research to put these pieces together. Um, So, you know, if you are able in any way, shape or form to help us out, um, you know, in covering the overhead expenses, I mean, you know, we're all working class individuals just like you. Um, we have a Patreon. It's uh, right here on your screen. Patreon.com slash for we are many. We're on Facebook. We have our page, which you're probably watching this on. Uh, we have our education and discussion group. Um, we have our mutual aid organizing group. We're on Twitter at for we are many two. Instagram at for we are many podcast. TikTok at for we are many podcast. YouTube for We Are Many podcast, and of course our website for WeAreMany.org. Also, if you'd like to contribute by getting down with us on any of this work, if you'd like to join us and help with production, help with the media stuff, you know, as far as, um, you know, sharing posts out for all of the events that we have going on, if you'd like to help with writing, any of that, let us know. Yeah. Um, we have room for growth. Yeah, we absolutely do. And, uh, you know, we're trying to amplify voices on the left. That doesn't just mean, you know, communists. That doesn't just mean socialists. That doesn't just mean anarchists. Pretty much, if you are a progressive liberal that sees issues with capitalism or left of that, then we want to hear what you have to say. Indeed. Right. That's um, a large focus of, of what we're doing here is to help unite the left. Uh, a lot of that 
goes to learning about our roots, which is why we're doing the labor history pieces. But it also shows where we can move forward from here. If we can look at the divisions that happened before, as well as the unifications that happened before, we can learn better ways to unite together now because our strength is in our numbers, plain and simple. And the only way we're gonna get a real leftist voice heard on the national level is to come together. You know, there might be slightly differing perspectives on, you know, individual issues, but when it comes to uniting the working class as a whole, we need to come together and fight for our rights. Well said, well said. Uh, Emily said hello. Hello, Emily. Hi, Em. Uh, first piece of today, I think that I wanna dive in is a really current event so far, but there is a meme going around, which I will show you in a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, about Clara Zetkin. I had no idea who she was today or until today. So I felt compelled to talk about her. Um, she was a, a very strong advocate of women's rights. Uh, she's a founding member of the Communist Party of Germany. Um, kind of just all around a badass. <laughs> well, the meme that I saw is this. I mean, honestly, I just uh, typed her name in in Wikipedia. There's plenty of information on the page. Right on. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, let's see. Um, Clara Zetkin was born July 5th, 1857. She was a German Marxist theorist, a communist act, uh, activist and advocate for women's rights. Until 1917, she was active in the Social Democratic Party of Germany. She then joined the Independent Social Democratic Party of Germany and its far left wing, the Spartacus League. This later became the Communist Party of Germany, or the KPD, which she represented in the Reichstag during the Weimar period from 1920 to 1933. Um, she was born in uh, the oldest of three children in a peasant vill village in Saxony. Um, her father was a schoolmaster, church organist, and devout Protestant. While her mother had French roots, came from a middle class family, and was highly educated. Um, she was educated at the Leipzig, I don't know if I'm saying that right, uh, Teachers College for Women. While in school, she established contacts with the infant uh, SPD, which is the Social Democratic Party of Deutschland, or, you know, Germany. Germany. Um, because of the ban placed on socialist activity in Germany by Bismarck in 1878, Zetkin left for Zurich in 1882 and then went into, into exile in Paris, where she studied to be a journalist and translator. During her time in Paris, she played an important role in the foundation of the Socialist International Group. She also adopted the name of her lover, the Russian Jewish Asip Zetkin, a devoted Marxist with whom she had two sons, Maxim and Konstantin. Osip Zetkin became severely ill in early 1889 and died in June of that year. Following the loss of her husband, Zetkin moved to Stuttgart with her children. She was married to artist George Frederick Zendel, who was 18 years her junior. 
from 1899 to 1928. Um, so, I mean, I'm not gonna like go too in depth into her whole career because we absolutely, absolutely don't have time to do that and, you know, discuss current events. So we might do a more in-depth piece on her in the future because I found her to be a very intriguing character, honestly. Um, Sounds like a plan. Hell yeah. But uh, she believed that the fight for equal opportunities and women's suffrage should happen through a socialist means. Um, she helped to develop the Social Democratic Women's Movement in Germany from 1891 to 1917. She edited the SPD Women's Newspaper, uh, which the title translates to Equality. Um, and in 1907, she became the leader of the newly founded Women's Office at the SDP. She also contributed to International Women's Day. In August 1910, an International Women's Conference was organized to proceed the general meeting of the Socialist Second International in Copenhagen, Denmark. Inspired by part, or inspired in part by American socialist actions, so we're talking about Eugene Debs here. I'm just saying it totally ties into what we've been talking Great. about. <laughs> um, Zetkin, Kate, Dunker, and others proposed that a special Women's Day be organized annually, although no date was specified at the Congress or conference. Delegates, including 100 women from 17 countries, agreed with the idea as a strategy to promote equal rights, including suffrage for women. The following year on 19 March 1911, IWD was marked for the first time uh, by over a million people in Austria, Denmark, Germany, and Switzerland. IWD was International Women's Day. Um, however, Zetkin was deeply opposed to the concept of the concept of bourgeois feminism, which she claimed was a tool to divide the unity of the working class. In a speech she delivered to the Second International in 1889, she stated the working women who aspire to social equality, expect nothing for their emancipa emancipation from the bourgeois women's movement, which allegedly fights for the rights of women. That edifice is built on sand and has no real basis. Working women are absolutely convinced that the question of the emancipation of women is not an isolated question which exists in itself, but part of a, of a great social question. They realize perfectly clear that this question can never be solved in contemporary society, but only after a complete social transformation. Uh, she viewed the bourgeois feminist movement as being primarily composed of upper and middle class women who had their own class interests in mind which were incompatible with the interests of working class women. Thus, feminism and the socialist fight for women's rights were incompatible. In her mind, socialism was the only way to truly end the, uh, the oppression of women. One of her primary goals was to get women out of the house and into work so they could participate in trade unions and other workers' rights organizations in order to improve conditions for themselves. While she argued that the socialist movement should fight to achieve reforms that would lessen female oppression, she was convinced that such reforms could only prevail if they were embedded into a general move towards socialism. Otherwise, they could just easily be eradicated by future legislation, which I want to point, that, uh, point out that she was talking about this in 1889, okay? And it kind of like... Uh, 
harkens forward to Lenin a little bit, talking about how, you know, bourgeois reforms can just be overturned. Right. Like, she was really a visionary. Hell yeah, from the sounds of it. Um, she opposed World War I, as did most global socialists, including the Russians. That's why they got out of the World War as soon as the revolution happened, basically. But uh, she went to, or she spoke at the International Women's Peace Conference in Switzerland. And she, her first question was, who profits from this war? Only a tiny minority in each nation. The manufacturers of rifles and cannons, of armor, plate, and torpedo boats. The shipyard owners and the suppliers of the armed forces' needs. In the interest of their profits, they have fanned the hatred among the people, thus contributing to the outbreak of war. The workers have nothing to gain from this war, but they stand to lose everything that is dear to them. Um, Ain't so, that the fucking truth? I mean, she's really like an architect, if you think about it, of Marxist feminism. Right. Um, Absolutely. Which, which, I mean, if you trace it back just a little bit farther than her, you'll find someone who's a little less influential, but was talking along the same lines, and that's Eleanor Marx, as in the wife of Karl Marx. Right. Um, so, I mean, the point is, though, is that she very early grasped onto these concepts and was like, fuck yeah, this is the only option. And I think how our society treats men today shows that she was right. Right. No argument there. It, it's kind of prophetic, the things that she was speaking on that we're still working on in some areas today. <laughs> right. So I'm going to get the most depressing section out of the way first, uh, if that's cool with you. You already know it's climate yeah. change. You saw the articles. Right. Yeah. The whole fucking continent is on fire. Yeah, I didn't even, I don't even think I put that. I need to, can you send those screenshots to me from yep. the chat to the Zoom chat? Uh, anyway, we're, we're moving into climate change. And I mean, we used to have this subtitle on here that it was in an internet, in an international, holy shit, I can't talk, crisis. We used to have that uh, subtitle on there for a long time. And we kind of got rid of it, but I think recent events are showing that it's more of an international crisis than we even wanted to admit. Like, we're still talking about how climate change is, you know, decades away, but it's not. It's here. It's here right now. Um, give me just a second. Uh, by the way, I'm going to have to join again from my phone in order to pop those in there. So just a heads up, I'll be in the waiting room again in a moment. Um, I just made you co-host. You can let yourself. Oh, cool, that works. Um, <laughs> well, fine then. <laughs> so I guess the first place to start in my mind is with the heat records being set in the Pacific Northwest. And I mean, this article that I'm using as a source for this um, only briefly 
Uh, yes, Natalie, we see your comment. Um, but they only briefly talk about Canada, and they only talk about the British Columbia village of Leighton, which we have a whole other story about with images here in a minute. It's a terrible situation there. Um, oh, damn paywalls. I should have known. I read it for free on my phone earlier. Hold on. Okay. So the most severe heat wave in the history of the Pacific Northwest climaxed, obliterating scores of longstanding records in both the U.S. and Canada. The National Weather Service had predicted the heat wave would be historic, dangerous, prolonged, and unprecedented. And it lived up to all that. Uh, hi, Natalie. Um, perhaps the most astonishing heat, really, was last Tuesday, the day after our last current event stream in British Columbia, where the high temperature in the village of Leighton soared to 121 degrees, setting Nash uh, Canada's national heat record, all time, mind you, national heat record for a third straight day. And what that means is it was like 116 one day, and that was the all time record. And then it was hotter the next day, and that was the record. And then it was 121 degrees at the climax of this. And that was setting that record for the third straight day. That's unprecedented. doesn't even, I don't think, put context to how drastic that is. Um, it's one of the things that still blows my mind when people try to deny climate change. Like, wait, what? Are you paying attention? So this next sentence, no. though, coming from the Washington Post, mind you, this temperature is more extreme than the all-time high in Las Vegas, which is 117. Holy shit. Yeah. And that's a recent record, too, in Vegas. Um, as they've rapidly expanded, they're facing the same kind of, you know, uh, urban heat island effects as we're seeing here in Phoenix. Um, and James, I believe everybody does still have all their fingers after yesterday. I hope so. Um, okay. So I'm going to screen share this for a second. Look at this map. Okay, so in comparison to Lighten, British Columbia, which is way up here north of Washington State. Uh, yeah, uh, right up here, it was 121 degrees on June 29th. The only places that it has been that warm are warmer is these dots. There's a couple, you know, in the middle of the country that have tied it. Sorry. You're, you're good. <laughs> Feedback. Yeah, for sure. Um, but anyway, the only places that it's been warmer than that are in Arizona, California, and Nevada. That's it. The only places in the United States where it has been warmer, or Canada, that has been warmer than Lighten was the other day. And that's, that's obscene. 
Um, this is not giving me the option to um, send those photos into the Zoom chat. It's oh, damn, really? only giving me text-only option. And I don't have my laptop logged into it either. I don't even have that logged into Messenger. Sorry that my computer's lagging a little bit. Probably because I have like 95 tabs open. I might be being a little bit dramatic um, about that, but not too much. Okay, so the Canadian village we were just talking about, though, Lighton in British Columbia. Okay, so the day after it hit 121 degrees there, damn near the entire village burnt to the ground due to a wildfire that was started by... Have, have you, or is anybody in the comments... Have you ever heard of pyrocumulonimbus? Uh, pyro Why can I not fucking talk? Uh, anyway, have you ever heard of pyrocumulonimbus clouds? Fuck no. <laughs> no. So cumulonimbus clouds are thunderheads, right? They happen pretty much everywhere. But with the pyro in front of it, what that means is that they have a high risk of starting fires. They don't put out a lot of rain, but they do put out a lot of lightning. And I'm sure you see the issue when half of the continent or more is under a severe drought. Uh, yeah. Bunch of lightning with no rain to stop it from lighting shit on fire, and you have fire. Yeah, exactly. And um, that was... I mean, I, I'm trying to find an official estimate of how much of the city was destroyed. Um, but more than a thousand people were forced to evacuate at a moment's notice because it was a ridiculously fast-moving uh, storm. But I don't have a before picture, right? But I that picture. What's left? Well, right now, pixels. Well, shit. Yeah, it's just a little slow to load. Indeed, but I'm gonna scroll back up and play this video anyway. We do not own the rights to this. This is CNN. I believe it to be public domain and fair use because it's news reporting. I just wanted to put that right. out there in case Facebook tries to fuck with us. <clears throat> Again, I apologize, my computer's lagging. Not okay, like my... you have any control over it. Well, right.
probably has more to do with how many people in your area are currently online versus even what you're just running on yours. Yeah. Well, it stopped doing the spinning thing of death, but it's still not playing. Ow. I'll come back to the video. Um, I'm going to turn off the screen share for a minute and see if I can't, uh, you know, a little bit less ban bandwidth and see if I can get it going. Uh, page unresponsive. Okay, well, that explains it, doesn't it? It's not me. It's CNN's website. Ah, uh, that would explain it. Um, anyway, so the point is the fire destroyed most homes, most structures of the village, and several residents are still unaccounted for. Um, more... I already said this, but more than a thousand people in and around the village of Lighton were forced to evacuate. Um, Lighton has been devastated. Uh, what I tried to show you was an aerial photo taken from a helicopter on July 1st. And I mean, there's, I, I can count three buildings that are still standing. That's horrendous. What the fuck? All right, I'm going to try this video one more time. If that doesn't work, then I have a different idea for video. Okay. It's doing the spinny thing again. How did an ad pop up when I was full screen in a video? Are you kidding me? Because capitalism. Yeah, it looks like that's the opportunity they can take to make a pop up window come. So uh, at least this is the CB or yeah the CBC. So at least we don't have to worry about fucking whether. Or we do not begin it's with the latest use. on a wildfire disaster in British Columbia. It's in the community of Lytton, the oh, place Lytton. that just recorded that the three hottest days ever in this country. Those ones are just gone. The whole village is going. The um. The whole town is on fire. I've ordered, I've ordered the town evacuated. 
And I told everyone as I was leaving town to leave. It took like a whole 15 minutes from, you know, the first sign of smoke to all of a sudden there being fire, you know, everywhere. Well, that was the Lytton mayor speaking with CBC News last night, and he tells us wild wind driven rather wildfire raced in the community in minutes. The flames coming in a wall a meter high. As Susana De Silva tells us, people who had just made it through days of temperatures topping 49 degrees have had to flee. 121 with what they Fahrenheit. Could carry. They started coming this way fast. Let's get out of here. Well, stories are emerging of frantic moments in the village of Lytton as they only had minutes to get out from the moment that people first saw that first sign of smoke to the time that they were seeing fire destroying buildings in the community. Some of them say they had less than 10 minutes, barely enough time to get themselves out, let alone family pets that were left behind, mementos, photographs, things that people had to leave behind as they all had to scramble to get out of that community. And those forced to flee headed into whichever community that they were able to get. We've heard about people heading into Boston. Boston Bar, heading into Lillouette, into Merritt. You know, in Lillouette, we understand that that community quickly rushed to help those arriving, shocked still about what they had just seen happen in their community, bringing them water, food, whatever they could do to try to help. There has been an evacuation center set up in the community of Merritt. People are being asked, even if they aren't going to stay there, to register the, so that they can keep track of the people who are in that community, ensure that everyone did, in fact, get out safely. Now, of course, forest fires have been the fear here in this province as it has been gripped by record-breaking temperatures and nowhere more record-breaking than in the community of Lytton, which set records for the entire country for the hottest ever three days in a row. So some of the perhaps driest conditions that community has ever seen. There had already been a fire burning near that community for a number of days. It's not clear what has caused this new fire, but everyone's saying winds that were blowing at the time, about 70 kilometers an hour, whipped up that fire so quickly people were left scrambling but there are a number of fires burning right now throughout the province uh, dozens have been set in just the last couple of days and overnight there were lightning strikes and expected to be many more starts over the next few hours Susanna De Silva CBC News Hope yeah so like y'all that's some crazy fucking shit right like i'm not the only one thinking not that um it's so like right now um go I'm, ahead i'm actually pulling up the nasa fire map uh that you had gotten those screenshots from so that everyone could see that's i was gonna do that but i'm glad that you are because my computer's as i already said a little bogging down but i was thinking about just downloading the images right. and you know putting them in a slide But uh, yeah, so while she's pulling that up, I'm going to talk about how Canada is battling more than 180,000. No, why did I say thousand? I don't know why I said that, not thousand. Canada is battling more than 180 wildfires. Um, and their death toll through these heat waves is already in the hundreds. And they still haven't accounted for everybody that was in some of the places that were evacuated. 
So the death toll is already in the hundreds, and that's before the fires. If, uh, if I'm going to screen share this now. All right. Oh, if you're if you're done screen sharing there. Uh, this one right here. Okay. Now you can see on this page, um, this is over the last week. It's kind of hard actually to see uh, how well, many red dots are lost in there because of the yellow ones. Well, that, that's true, but why, why is it a different scale than it was showing me? Because remember mine was flames and red dots instead of red dots and yellow dots? Right. I'm, I'm not it, sure. It's literally the same website, so I don't, I'm not Good. sure. Uh, yeah, there's six days ago. I'll let that load for a minute. Uh, the screenshots I, that I, I sent know. earlier were the, the week, um, the last seven days. Hang on, okay, well, I can set it back to that, but there was, let's see if I can, maybe this is a gridded fire hotspots. Okay, so um, yellow means there's at least one there going all the way up to red meaning over a hundred fires in that area. So if that are you sure that's not like a hundred acres or something like that? Um, it just says oh, fire it just count says fire count. Okay, yeah. Okay, weird. Uh, um, so like, just to, I I'm confused still as to why mine showed up with. Well, I guess to be fair, that was the mobile site, but instead of yellow dots and red right. dots. It was uh, it was flames for flames. large events and red dots for small events. But the point is, is that there are hundreds and hundreds of fires all through the uh, the Western U.S., including fucking Canada, or I mean, including fucking Alaska. Right, um, right up through there. On the screenshot that I took earlier, on count one, two, three, four, five. Seven major, seven large fires in Alaska. Um, you can't even count how many are in British Columbia, down through California and Arizona. Um, but I mean, the, it, it's insane. It's Let's see if this will actually read it on here, because this is your screenshot from earlier with all those huge flames. You can see that clearly going through northern Canada and Alaska. I mean, I, I don't I don't see where you're screen sharing my screenshot from earlier because you're still screen sharing the firm's site. No, I, I'm pointing it at my camera from my phone. Oh, um, I, I pulled up your actual. Um, I see. I see. Yeah. There and, and that's just the U.S. I have the other one, actually. Hold on. Yeah, the other one I I had up a second ago, but yeah. Um, I, I mean, and that that's just the western half of Canada and Alaska. 
<laughs> and then you, she right. just showed you the right and this with all the rest of that like the entire fucking country is on fire everywhere yeah Every but i fucking where yeah yeah but i mean like look at the seriousness of the fires out out west though like it's absolutely bonkers right. and, and it's something like I, I for i read the percentage today and i don't remember what it is but like a significant over half i remember that much for sure but a significant portion of north america is under severe drought conditions i mean we could be looking at another dust bowl situation and the whole damn thing's concerning right like there's barely a tiny patch in the dead center of the country that doesn't have active fires right now you know we're used to the occasional fires out on the west coast because of the type of environment that it is that it actually has natural wildfires but when the whole fucking midwest is on fire too that hasn't happened in a long time like that's exactly the kind of conditions that would lead to another dustful situation. Um, but I, I guess my point is like, there is plenty of things that we can do about it. None of them are going to be free. Most of them involve the overthrow of capitalism. I, I have still yet to hear a capitalist or a libertarian or uh any other sort of reactionary come up with a plan to combat climate change infrastructure right. investments is only half of it if we're not actually cutting down on our emissions and i mean i'm not talking about offsetting them i'm not talking about net zero i'm talking about zero or negative and we can't right we can't do that the markets will not do that we should have been able to achieve fucking, you know, zero, if not fucking making up for some of those emissions by now. We've well, been and, and that's the thing. You can you can say what you want about the Green Party, but their plan right now, uh, and no, it's not free, and no, it's not cheap, but their plan right now um, would have us at zero emissions, not net zero, at zero emissions by 2030. Is it an unachievable task? Absolutely not. Is it an easy to achieve task? Absolutely not. No. But if we come together and start tackling this now, we still talk about it like we have till 2100 to figure out what the fuck we're gonna do, but we don't. Right. <laughs> We've known for a long fucking time that we don't have a whole hell of a lot of time left to address it before we're at that point of no return. If we haven't already reached it, we're getting fucking close. If we don't fundamentally change the way that we fucking treat the environment, we're all gonna fucking die. Or at least most most of us are, because this, the, the stuff that's happening with the climate change, it's going to keep wiping us out. 
one part of the world at a time as shit like this happens with these enormous fucking stretches of fire going across entire continents we're literally fucking destroying the environment and people are foolish enough to think that the environment isn't going to fight back people are foolish enough to think that humans can't possibly impact the environment look around you we have fucked it up the ass with no lube of course we affect the environment right you know and, and i mean How again anybody... i'm sorry for making this this segment so negative but the reality is we need to wake the fuck up what positive light are we supposed to spin on you know we're destroying everything there's you know capitalists I mean, are destroying can... everything you and I have a very, very minuscule role in it. We're talking about uh, we're talking about militaries. We're talking about um, well, militaries are the biggest, but we're talking about private companies. Yep. Like all the people who run our system currently are the same people that are destroying the planet that we live on. Well, if we wanted to just be trying to share uchi kuchi good feel shit all butterflies and fucking rainbows we could we could have you know a segment every fucking week that is doing nothing but highlighting certain people who are starting to do the right things when it comes to how they handle you know their own life their own fucking emissions their own fucking so China? product um right and, and i mean they still have a long way to go too <laughs> right. but they're, they're the only fucking behind ones. them at least Exactly. Just in automotive emissions. We're 30 years at least behind them. But we we could do that. But the, the fact of the matter is that even highlighting those few good stories that we could tell, um, that's not going to make significant enough change. Because like you just pointed out, the biggest fucking producers of toxic waste destroying the environment is the governments with, you know, the military shit. And with corporations we have to put a stop to their fucking significant abuse of the environment before any of the little things that we can do at home are going to add up enough to make a fucking difference and i'm not saying it's pointless to recycle or anything like that it's absolutely not please fucking keep doing so that please being keep said, pocketing uh, uh, a significant oh yes that for sure i used to be like so bad that. about that like be a fucking adult, be responsible with your shit and dispose of it properly, but you can't do that alone. You have to fucking confront the massive fucking exploitation of Mother Earth by governments and fucking corporations. And until that happens, we're still on the path to fuck. Yeah. Excuse me, I gotta turn some more light on because right now I look like I'm day glow red. The <laughs> red on the screen is reflecting all off my face and just I look like a lobster over here. <laughs> I added the little sunflower to this uh, this uh, thing here, if you didn't notice that. Obviously, I did notice that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, shit, that's not I love cool. Emily's sunflower, man. I don't know if you noticed, I've been incorporating that in um, more of the posters. It fits. I dig it. Um, so Robert said, hey, China is a great example. Look at their de-desertification program. I don't know literally anything about that. I, I will have to look into it. But I do know um, that they have taken a, an eco-conscious, at least, 
approach. Right. And that's kind of better than any of us can say right now. I'm really curious, Robert, if you have any sources on that, you be able to pop in the comments real quick that we can pull and show people because that would be the same type of stuff that you could implement where you're at, Rob. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't even know that I necessarily agree with the desertification, but what I do have an issue with, okay, so like when Phoenix was settled, you know, like average highs were in the 90s in the summer. And then now due to island heating and shit, we regularly get, I mean, last year we had a hundred plus days over a hundred and fucking 10 degrees. Right, that's insane. And a lot of that is due to um, the destruction of the natural, you know, native trees that were there that provided a significant amount of shade. They got chopped down and replaced with palm trees that just suck up a lot of water. Right. And, and I mean, the aridification, I don't know if that's the, the right usage of that or not. But I, I mean, the, the land itself has gotten so much more arid because all these rivers that used to run across the valley a hundred years ago don't. <coughs> right, it's like, there's there's gotta be a happy medium there where, you know, it's possible to, you know, get water supply for the people who live in the area without completely draining the fucking riverbeds dry. That's fucked. That's so fucked. That's not just overuse, it's fucking abuse of the environment. You literally drain the Yeah, and, and that's that's another thing that really gets me is the Salt River Project has some like underground water storage facilities that are full and they're all like, oh, well, we're ready for cutbacks. Like, how long do you really think your little fucking tank of water is going to last? Right. We're talking about a metropolitan area with millions of people. They would save more water if they enclosed the canals so they were losing less to evaporation. Oh yeah, we've already had that whole conversation. Right. But uh, Okay, so this is something else that we've talked about, but before we move into class consciousness, I just want to point out that the Hoover Dam is at its lowest level ever. Like, it is lower than it was when they were filling it in the 30s. We need to do something. And it speaks volumes there. Just the sheer level of heat in that area, just evaporating all of that water off on top of, you know, the usage. It's, it's abusive. Uh, when are we gonna, you know, figure something out and address it when it's, when it's too fucking late and that entire ecosystem there collapses? I, it's just fucked the extent that humans are willing to push shit to out of a desire for comfortability. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're moving into class consciousness. Um, I have a couple of things to talk about, but the first thing I want to talk about, four day work week. Fucking A. Yeah, <laughs> the world's largest ever four-day workweek trial in Iceland was an overwhelming success. Um, actually, I kind of wish that Don was in here today so he could tell you a little bit about Iceland's form of government 
It was instituted by the Vikings in the 900s. And it works so well, they've kept it. Exactly. Exactly. It still works today. It doesn't operate quite the same as it did over a thousand years ago. Don't get me wrong, but it's still the same entity and it still largely works in the same way. It's, it's really impressive. Right. But anyway, it's just expanded to work for greater numbers of population, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back in the old days, I mean, they literally had as many people that could get there from every stretch of the country you know, meet up in a central location and decide the laws. Obviously, it's not practical right. to have everybody in the country go there. Um, so, right. I mean, it is a little bit more representative based, um, like our system is, for example. But it seems a hell of a lot less corrupt. In fact, in the 2008 financial crisis, while the U.S., you know, bailed out the banks and didn't send anybody to jail, Iceland let the banks fall. And then and jailed the bankers. Exactly. Like, oh, you want to fuck our economy like this? To jail yeah. Hugo. Yep. Like, and, no and not just the bankers either. It was also the corrupt politicians that allowed the bankers this much control. Right. So I, I mean, you know, they I think they have it figured out better than we do. Anyway, um, so this independent article is um, touting the success of the largest ever trial of a four-day working week and uh, is pushing for it to be tested in the UK. More than 1% of Iceland's working population took part in the pilot program, which cut the working week to 35 or 36 hours with no reduction in overall pay, meaning, you know, you get paid the same amount you would if you worked a 40-hour week. Uh-huh. Um, only instead now you have three days off to actually enjoy life instead of only two you have a little more opportunity to do stuff actually I mean, live. if you want my like analytical take on this I feel like it's a concession from the capitalists to encourage the Icelanders to not um, you know take a stricter stand on their own which right. I'm, I'm not saying that is necessarily a bad thing um, because obviously the union membership in Iceland is very high. They have the means to push this, whether or not, um, you know, it becomes national law. Right. Um, but they, so the pilot ran from 2015 to 2019 and involved more than 2,500 people and it boosted productivity and well-being and are already leading to permanent changes. The trade union federations, which collectively negotiate wages and conditions for most Icelandic employees, in fact, if I remember correctly, that is how they set their minimum wage. It's set by the unions, not by a fucking corrupt politician. Um, right. Anyway, have already begun to negotiate reduced working hours as a result. The researchers estimate that as a result of new agreements struck in 2019 and 2021 after the trials ended, 86% of Iceland's entire working population now either have reduced hours or flexibility with their contracts to reduce hours. That's what the fuck is up. That's quick progression going, okay, we can see this works, let's implement it now. Yeah, and I mean, like, before the trial was even done, 
that that's the thing before the trial was even done they were already working on implementing this through trade union uh federations which i mean i think that the working class is on a much more equal footing in iceland just because of how their trade unions work well that's the thing when pay raises are left up to the people in the union voting on it instead of left up to politicians then you actually have control at the table over your own fucking well-being as it should be that is something that should never be held by a few hands in government because look at what the fuck he's done with it like here where you know people who are in the restaurant industry uh working tipped jobs haven't seen a fucking pay raise in decades fucking decades since before i was born and i'm almost 40 it was the fucking 70s the last time that there was a fucking pay hike for tipped service jobs that's fucked that's the type of shit that you see when it's left up to assholes in Congress who can vote themselves pay raise after pay raise after pay raise after pay raise on our fucking dime. But tell us to suck it when we're like, wait a minute, <laughs> uh, we should be getting paid enough to survive. Just saying, Iceland's got a better idea when it comes to all of it. Well, yeah, and I mean, these, these, a lot of the, I'm not going to say all because that would be incorrect, but a lot of these trade unionist organizers are socialists, whether they're democratic socialists or, you know, communist socialists is irrelevant to me. By the way, I didn't mean all of their laws, period. I meant all of this that we're discussing right now, as far as these things. That That's true. The labor force. They're doing yeah. better than we are. Oh, much. Uh, Finland actually has been uh, talking about a four-day work week for the past several years now, too. And they have all sorts of mandated paid leave. And, you know, they have socialized medicine. And they're the happiest country in the world. In fact, all of the top ten happiest countries in the world have socialized medicine. And that's not a coincidence. Um, I'm going to take this moment to point out that there are marches all over the country. On July 24th, we're demanding Medicare for all. We're not taking no for an answer. There are marches in Washington, D.C., Boston, New York City, Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis, um, L.A., Phoenix. And those are just the ones that I know off the top of my head. By all right. means, get out there. Make your voice heard. We need it. Medicare right. for all is just a stopgap solution for that matter. But that's the, the, the part of a universal health program that will save lives and that's what we need right now right there's no excuse for us still not having it just to put it in perspective there are 33 if i remember correct 33 fucking um industrialized modernized nations in the world and there's only one that still has fucking capitalistic fucking health care and that's us. Literally every other fucking industrialized country has fucking some form of universal health care. Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't want. say that all of them are necessarily explicitly socialist. A lot of them are more social democratic, which is fine. 
However you lift the material conditions all- doesn't matter to me. Um, I would prefer it more like Cuba where there's not some cat on top making a bunch of money off of it, but at least right. you can take the social democratic route and rein that in. We could be paying $30 right. for insulin like the rest of the fucking world instead of $600. What is wrong with you people? Right. Not you people, just, but like the fucking, people that make these laws. Right. That's just fucking insane. And to even think about, okay, I've got friends who have little kids that are diabetic, that are insulin dependent. Like single moms who, you know, that's a rent payment, bro. Fucking, you know, like to have to pay that out of pocket if you don't have insurance coverage, what are you supposed to do? Or if your insurance doesn't cover um, insulin for whatever reason, I'm sure it's right. I'm, I'm sure it's a situation that exists. Right. That's a thing. There's no excuse for shit that costs very little to produce being sold at fucking exponentially fucking high profit margins in the pharmacy. Fuck that. If you don't have insurance, you should be able to fucking walk in and buy it for well, its actual cost to produce it of that 30 bucks or less. Or less, yeah. I mean, like I said, in those systems, there's usually some sort of profit margin, which I fundamentally disagree with. But I mean, if there's going to be a profit margin, make it a little one. Fuck. All right. And... I don't know, maybe make it where the profit margins have to be reinvested in some manner, like in, you know, developing new medications for certain diseases or reinvested in, um, you know, programs to actually help cover more medical care for those who don't have coverage, something, you know, that that money should be reinvested into the system, not being used to line the pocket of a fucking CEO. Yeah. It's just fucked. It's so fucked that we allow help. I was going to put this under under international, but before we move to the next story, I actually, just to kind of, since we're talking about socialist healthcare, I want to look at this week's Cuba vaccine distribution. Right. Oh, wow. Fuck. Don't mind me moving all over the place over here. Um, sciatic nerves are on fire. So the last update on the map for Cuba uh, was two days ago. And this week, I think it's probably going to slow down. Um, okay, so the process to become fully vaccinated in Cuba is eight weeks because you get your first shot, then you wait two weeks, then you get your second shot, then you wait two weeks, then you get your third shot. Then you wait two weeks. Wait, so that's six weeks, right? Am I crazy? Six, I said eight, whatever. The point is, it's been like nine weeks, right? And it takes six weeks to get fully vaccinated in Cuba. Or more. And um, they have one over one and a half million people vaccinated already. That's 13.8% of the population. Um, in a very short period of time. Yeah, in a very short period of time. They didn't start till May 7th. We're at eight eight or nine weeks right now. I think it's eight. Yeah, it's eight. We're at eight weeks right now. And they're already at 13.8% fully vaccinated. 
Total doses given, is it 6.57 million? For a country that, you know, we always say in our narratives, in America that is, not you and I per se, but the American narrative is that they're such a poor country that they can't take care of their citizens, but they're rolling out the vaccine more effectively than we are without a profit motive. Right. Ours is entirely a profit motive. I don't know what uh, the government paid a private healthcare company for my vaccine or for your vaccine, but they're getting paid for every single one. There is a profit right. margin. That's the very design of it. That's why we couldn't right. give our, our vaccine to Cuba because they don't have the money to pay for it. Like it's not actually free to anybody, even though, you know, they say, come get your shot for free. Well, no, we're paying for it in our tax dollars. And instead of merely paying for the cost of production with our tax dollars, like they are in Cuba, we're paying for a profit margin for CEOs to profiteer off of exploiting a fucking pandemic. Just watch the numbers and see how much these fucking um, big pharma companies explode as far as, you know, their profit margins over the next year or two, breaking in all this COVID money. And that's part of why our recovery process costs so much more. Yeah. Uh, Trisha, do you mind uh, diving into the next story? I put it in the Zoom chat. Uh, give me just a second to pull it up and I will but, screen share. Well, you don't necessarily need to screen share. I mean, just, you know, take, okay. the, take the information from it. Um, that being said, I will, I will screen share an image of the building because I, I kind of like what they've done with it. Um, All right. That's kind of nifty. Uh, McDonald's restaurant gets converted into a food bank to feed the hungry. Look at that. I dig it. Uh, One McDonald's location in Marseille, Marseille, France, has adopted a cashless system in that it doesn't take in any payment from diners as La Prairie M is a food bank. In a former life, the McDonald's outlet opened in 1992 in a poverty-hit neighborhood of a predominantly Muslim community. When it shut down in 2018, it left many out-of-income or job opportunities. An organizer of the food bank told Vice that the other alternative to find work in the neighborhood was a local hypermarket. To protest the restaurant's closure, manager Kamel Gamari, who was employed at McDonald's at 16 years old and had worked there for the next two decades, covered himself in gasoline and locked himself in, threatening to set himself on fire, according to Forbes. More employees would join him over the weeks. They took up an even more meaningful approach when the pandemic hit. The McDonald's location was rebranded to La Pre M, the after M is what that uh, translates to. Uh, and transformed into a food bank to nourish residents. Farmers donated fruits and vegetables, shops sent in food, while locals offered money to finance the campaign. By the fifth week of its opening, La Pre M had already served at least 100,000 people. 
This month, the Marseille government is going to buy the building, so it will no longer have to serve people illegally. The Washington Post reports, now the food bank offers more than food parcels and it hosts events associated with its altruistic initiative, says the insider. And they've got some really cool photos down here. If you want to screen share those ones too. I think the people gathered out front. that's beautiful. I dig it. That's the best thing somebody could do with a McDonald's. Fucking dope. Are you there? You're not there. <laughs> I just noticed that Rob walked away. I had the other screen pulled up. Um, let's see here. I'm going to... that down screen share this right here so you guys can see these other pics here Uh, check that out crowd gathered there celebrating celebrating their community coming together that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh. oh, and that took me over there instead. Okay. All right, that was it for the pics I see there. But as you can see, they do have an Instagram page. If you want to go follow them, they're doing good things. Ooh, here's an overhead view. I'm digging that paint job. That's beautiful. I'm back. I see. I'm sharing some video from the restaurant's Instagram. I'm not hearing any sound though. No? I wonder why. I turned the volume all the way up. Did you click share sound when you. French anyway. did, did, oh, well, gotcha. Um, So, um, I just thought that was cool showing like the the sheer number of people there and the crowd coming to eat every day. Indeed. Games set up for the kids and everything. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a community center. 
right? Slash food bank. And that's that's the kind of thing I find inspiring, you know, when people are actually like building community. Right. Like, that is a fine example of building socialism or of building a revolution right there. That's what we need to be doing everywhere. Right. I think first and foremost, um, that's what we should focus on, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Right. Because they didn't just come there to feed the community. They're, they're doing activities together. They're giving people some beautiful things to do with their time together. You know, look at that. That is one hell of a uniting force. I dig it. Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, I will end the screen share there. Natalie said everything looks so tiny on my cell phone. Uh, Robert oh. said I like I like the paint job too. <laughs> Actually, yeah, um, I'm glad you brought this up, Natalie. With the U.S. government still sanctioning Cuba is a disgrace, something like 56 years now. Uh, yeah, because right. uh, uh, the U.S. or companies in the U.S. had planted uh, or installed the Batista regime. You got a little bit of echo going on there. I don't know if... Uh, Do I? Yeah, I haven't heard it at all until just now. I, um, I turned the volume up because I was having a hard time hearing you. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah, I don't hear it now. Um, anyway, the U.S. government sanctioning Cuba, it's not even just the U.S. government. We're just the spearhead of it. And we talk about how poor Cuba is, but like we, we never acknowledge how that's not due to socialism or even due to an authoritarian regime. It's due to sanctions. They have no right. trade almost with the outside world since the fall of the Soviet bloc and it's been 30 years and they're still keeping their people fed. I don't want to hear shit about how Cuba can't take care of their people. Right. The, the fact of the matter is how that really needs to be painted is look at how much they're able to do with, with how little that we've literally, you know, allowed them to have because we have blocked their trade in so many fucking you know directions um now look what they can do if if they can do that with that little bit of financing look at what the fuck we can do here one of the wealthiest nations in the fucking country one of the wealthiest nations in the country or i'm sorry one of the wealthiest <laughs> nations in the world you know what i mean smoke another one i should smoke another one but um you know what i mean that's it's fucking sad that this is one of the wealthiest nations on the face of the entire fucking planet. And we have more fucking, you know, poverty, homelessness, hunger, things like that going on than is that we point at, not us, you and I, but, you know, America in general, the media, the government point at and go, oh, look at these guys are, you know, a poor country. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure the homeless people here would rather live there where they could at least have access to housing and food and water and fucking, you know, healthcare. To, to well-built, well-insulated housing. It gets hot in right. Cuba. Right. 
Um, Natalie said the USA wants it to fail uh, in fear of socialism taking over. And I think that's exactly what it is. And I think it yeah. speaks a lot to the spirit of Cuba, communist or not, that they exist as an anti-imperial state 90 miles off our coast. That's why we don't like it. It's right on our back door. Right. And um, a lot of that red scare shit wasn't necessarily working on people who were questioning that fucking propaganda and going, well, wait a minute. Uh, like the, the things that were being purported in the media of, oh, look at these poor people. They were forced to move out of Cuba. Well, no, not those poor people. Those were the capitalists who were not being allowed to continue to exploit the fuck out of the working class there and got told, get bent. You well, and I mean, that's, I mean, to just add context to that, Fidel Castro's government tried to purchase above market value all of yep. those uh, all of those capitalist properties um, with bonds because the Batista regime ransacked the Cuban treasury when they fled the fucking country. Right. But Fidel Castro and his band of revolutionaries, before even instituting the revolutionary government, offered to buy those lands above market value. And the capitalists said no. So then they went in and took it, and we try to paint them as the bad guy. It's their fucking island. Right. They've got every right to say no, we're not going to allow you small handful of people to exploit the ever-living fuck out of everybody else. It, no, if you want to fucking exploit people, go somewhere where you're still being allowed to exploit people. Bye. And those people come here and cry about, oh, I was made to leave my country. Motherfucker, you were exploiting the country. You know? Uh, I mean, it's going to sound funny to say this, I guess, but maybe... The best people to ask about the state of Cuba are not the Cubans that didn't want to stay. Right. right? Maybe ask the Cubans who wanted to stay. Right. Ask the Cubans that still live there. Is there, is there a dissent against the government? Of course there is. Has the government made oversteps in terms of repression? Of course it has. But you have to look at the reasons why. Not to try to justify that, but like it's not like anybody who speaks out in any way against the government just gets thrown in jail indefinitely. I'm not right saying. Back. Sorry, somebody's knocking on the door. I'll oh, be right you're back. Good. You're good. But I, I mean, I'm not going to say that doesn't happen at all. And I do think that it's a problem that it does happen at all. But with that being said, you have to look at the context in which these situations happen. You have to look at the fact that Cuba had been under colonial rule, um, whether it was Spanish or American, it doesn't fucking matter. They had been under colonial rule for over 400 years. They wanted their independence. And they, they saw that the best way to defend that independence was through a Marxist-Leninist state. I'm not gonna hate on them for that. I think that Cuba would look a lot different today had they not taken that route. Um, anyway, um, so I guess to, 
I was going to put this in international happenings as well, but I, I'm going to, I'm just going to do it now. Um, I'm pulling up the video, but I'm sure most of you have heard at this point about the portal to hell that opened in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to play a video of it and we're going to talk about it a little bit. I have returned. Indeed. I'm pulling up the video for that fire in the Gulf of Mexico. The portal to hell, as I have been referring to it. Like we haven't fucked the Gulf enough already in previous years. Right. BP Look at this shit show. B BP like left a, a bathtub ring of oil. Or was it Shell? I know it was one of the two. But either way. It was BP. Either way, one well, of them Shell got up. bought out by BP, so same difference at this point. Mergers and acquisitions. Fair. But uh, either way, they already left a bathtub ring um, around the Gulf of Mexico. And this was actually uh, Penmex, I think is what it's called. It's a state-owned oil company. Basically, what had happened was... Um, Robert said it was BP. Thank you for checking me on that. Um, and yeah, exactly. They're still cleaning it up. They're still fucking cleaning it up. Uh, so Penmax is a state-owned petroleum company owned by the Mexican state. It was seized. Um, it was seized by the state. It, it, they had been foreign-owned oil entities, but basically, at one point, Mexico was like, no, we're not going to allow you to fucking exploit our land. So now they're exploiting their own land. Um, and a gas pipeline ruptured, an underwater gas pipeline ruptured, and somehow caught on fire, and this is the scene. Give me this a second to the share. Right. This is something I would have never thought was possible. But here it is. It's the still fucking ocean is on fire. It may look just like a scene from a disaster movie, but this that is That water's real. boiling. Captured today. Fucking the wildlife. Caught fire in the Gulf of Mexico just west of the Yucatan Peninsula. Those dramatic images <laughs> You hear the audio quickly from going viral on social media. Yes. Some people okay. calling it an eye of fire while others said it looked like the portal to hell opening up. Pemex, the Mexican state-run oil company, says an underground natural gas pipeline sprung a leak that caused that mid-ocean fire. A number of firefighting boats pumped water onto the fire for nearly five hours until it was eventually extinguished. They put out a fire on the ocean. An oil platform nearby not damaged. Hello, I'm Mark Brown. Time out. Great time out. On the ocean. In the ocean. In the ocean that water as you were already pointing out was fucking boiling um it took them five hours to put it out and they haven't even started the investigation yet it is planned i will give them credit there but they haven't even started the investigation yet into the potential impact uh on marine wildlife which i can only imagine is catastrophic yeah think about okay this is a region where Already due to global warming, we've been seeing the coral being bleached to death by rising ocean temperatures. 
for many years now. There has been huge projects going on all through the Gulf, um, like along the Gulf Coast of Florida, through the Keys, all the other islands through there, to go out and regrow new coral. Like people have been taking baby coral out there and putting them on the old reefs to start to grow and try to replenish the coral reefs because they are an essential um, source of food for the whole fucking food chain. Because well, all the little food and shelter, if I understand correctly. Yes, absolutely. Because there's a lot of fish that live in those reefs. Um, so they're trying to, you know, get this environment back to its normal fucking status already, which is hard enough to do with slightly varying. You know, it seems like it's a very small increment to be like, oh, well, the, the ocean, you know went up by a degree in this period of time. That sounds minute, but when it's average ocean temperatures, that's actually causing a huge change. Every fucking degree is causing a huge change in what can survive there. And when those temperatures are already steadily climbing because of global warming, and then we add a fucking fire in the water to it, that probably just devastated everything within miles that might have still been flourishing ecosystem or even remotely flourishing ecosystem you know um, robert said i'm a fish keeper this isn't good all the dead fish will raise ph and nitrites yep um, yeah but yeah i mean the the ocean I, I guess just to piggyback off of what you were already saying the ocean is a delicate, a very delicate ecosystem, which is already being upended by climate change as it is. And to just have, you know, a chunk of the ocean boiling for hours cannot possibly be good. Um, I'm concerned to see how that's going to affect ocean currents, frankly, because a lot of those are temperature driven. Yeah. Honestly, this could actually have an effect on storms that are produced because of those underwater currents. Um, I mean, doesn't matter whether we're talking about air or water, either way, it is still basically a fluid. Gases are just a fluid that is basically thin enough for you to be able to breathe it. But either way, the way that it operates when hot meets cold is the same. They influence each other when it comes to these tropical fucking storms. And this asshole oil company might have just fucked things a lot more than just what we can see right now in present time of, uh, you know, fucking ocean setting on fire. Well, war warmer waters tend to move towards the poles anyway, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's, that's what powers the currents. So what happens if there isn't enough cold at the poles to, you know send the currents back to the equator well first what we're most likely to see is that causing greater damage to the icebergs um and melting them more so from below just like what we were talking about a few months ago of like it what's above surface level isn't all that's melting it's melting underwater too so we could see potential rises in ocean levels from that losing more of our arctic and antarctic ice more um, ecosystem for, for there sea levels uh actually this is a fact that i learned because of the 
building in Miami collapsing, right? But like sea levels in Miami have already risen by about three inches, um, right? And with that being said, they also have been having like freak tides where like on a full moon or a new moon, it'll like go in further than it normally does. And most of Miami-Dade County, like 97% of it, I think, is under a foot above sea level. So if we're talking about three feet of ocean, potentially in the next 200 years, uh, three feet of ocean rise globally would decimate almost every major populated place. Yeah. Yeah. And it's making me think of one of those end of the world movies where everything froze over due to shit like this happening. And I can't think of the fucking name of it right now. Uh, the but, day after tomorrow. Uh, that one. Yeah. That one. That's that's the type of shit that could be triggered by these changes that well, are happening I mean, now. That could be that could be triggered by it, but so could a mass uh, a mass increase in temperature that doesn't necessarily come back down in a normal wave you know because right. like the earth does go through cycles but this is mm-hmm. an extreme cycle and we don't know how far it's going to swing one way before it swings back the other way right and part of the problem too being um just how precarious that is of these factors coming into play together that it could snap it in either fucking direction. And either way would be devastating. Indeed. Um, I think, though, I'm going to move on to U.S. happenings. Um, okay. I actually don't have as much as you would expect to talk about in this section. Because, well, um, yeah. Anyway, we were just talking about the Miami, Miami condo. Uh, the rest of the building that had partially collapsed was uh, was blown up last night because they didn't want to take any risks uh, with the tropical storm possibly, you know, coming that way. So they wanted to get it demolished yeah. before that. Um, and they had to pause the search to do that. But it's also been like four or five days since they found anybody alive in the wreckage. And there's still well over 100 people missing in the wreckage. And now they just blew up the rest of the building on them. So. They, they, no, well, no, not on them. Um, so no? the re- no, they had to avoid an entire part of the rubble because they were concerned that the rest of the building was going to fall down on it. So what they did was they put charges on the other side of the building on the foundation so it fell the other way. Okay, that works. Yeah. <coughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's really all that's new there is the, the chances of finding anybody alive at this point are very slim. Um, but now they can check parts of the rubble that they haven't been able to check because the building is down. But, uh, depending on how tropical storm Elsa comes in right now, it's predicted to hit the West coast of Florida. So, I mean, other than some rain, they should be okay in Miami. But 
if it if it comes in, you know, like straight on Miami or more up the east side of the coast, then that's going to hamper search and rescue efforts too. Right. And you got to um, think too that it's really not that far from the west coast to the east coast of well, yeah, Florida. especially especially right and there. Miami <laughs> is at like the very southern tip yeah. of the east coast. So, I mean, even if it comes slightly inland or, you know, across the water there, it's still, it's going to be dumping a shit ton of bad weather onto Miami still. Uh, that's really not far to travel over land, especially for a huge tropical storm. If it gets up... And as we just said, 97% of Miami-Dade County is under one foot above sea level. Right. So, I mean, really any kind of storm surge there is going to be fucking catastrophic. Right. They're, they don't have much room to play with when it comes to, you know, um, their entire fucking waterfront washing the fuck away if shit hits them too hard. I mean, these are areas that they literally have to truck in sand from elsewhere to keep replenishing the beach so there will still be a beach there because they built a beach in basically a fucking swamp. Yeah. And then put heavy cement fucking buildings on there. Great planning. Um, it's, it's beyond ridiculous what we have done to our waterfronts and then wonder why we're having so many issues. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. It's it's frustrating, really, because these are areas where so many people flock to to live because it's beautiful, because you have access to, you know, go swimming and go fishing, things like that. And just think how many fucking millions of people live on these coasts just all through the Gulf and the Atlantic through that area. And they keep getting their asses kicked by hurricane after hurricane every fucking year. We've got to do something to fix the infrastructure there before we end up with another situation like Katrina. Devastating, you know, an entire fucking population. Or multiple populations, you know. It's, it's really fucked that we're we're still standing here basically with our proverbial cocks in our hands. Like, hmm, I don't know what to do about that. Yeah, we do know how to fix it. We just have a lot of people refusing to spend the money to fix it. Which is ass nine. Indeed. Oh, wow. So no wonder our fucking... What's up? Universal is claiming that we have their content. We have not played any uh, copyrighted music. Um... Yeah. In in universal uh, I mean, sure as shit doesn't own the videos that we shared 
um, like the one from Instagram that's owned by that, you know, food bank co-op. That's their personal video, not Universal's. So what the hell is Universal claiming rights to? I don't know. It doesn't even say. But I'm disputing it right now. Um, if you were watching this um, on Facebook, either come back. That should be taken care of momentarily. It says your video matches 43 seconds of video owned by L Universal Online. So that's even weirder. What? Um, yeah. Uh, my explanation was fair use and we didn't play any copyrighted music. Right. Uh, so if you're listening to this on the podcast, this is the kind of thing that we go through fairly regularly uh, with Facebook lately. And it's very frustrating. And that's why we're relying more and right. more on those on those podcast platforms moving forward. All right, because this is just like everything that we share, we are very careful to make sure like this is public access stuff. Um, you could look it up yourself and play it on your own computer. You don't need us to access it. I mean, Robert, Robert can see it, and I would assume that Natalie can still see it because they're admins. I don't know how long it's going to be before it comes back up officially on YouTube, but we'll see when the, the numbers start going back up. Um, okay. I'm just going to continue anyway. Uh, Jeff Bezos stepped down as the boss of Amazon. Really? Yes. What? Now, that being said, I'm willing to bet that he didn't relinquish his stock control. Right. I'm willing to bet that he didn't relinquish his, like, capital ownership of the company. I mean, I, he's still going to be funneling those fucking profits to his fucking <clears throat> dragon den. They'll keep making just as much fucking money, only now with doing no work. Yeah. Compared to the very little work he was doing before. Um, and this this is where we have a fundamental problem with capitalism because, um, you know, people like to try to point at communism and say shit like, oh, you're okay with one person working for something and having to give it to another and you don't even realize this is what's happening to you under capitalism. Only worse because the amount of wealth that your time, labor skills fucking produces is exponential in comparison to the pittance that you take home so right off the bat you're paying someone else to work for them you are paying the capitalist to do all the work for them so they don't have to work that's literally what capitalizing means is to capitalize on the labor of another and not do the work yourself it's exploitation I'd much rather have communism where I'm equal owner of the company that I'm working at and getting equal share of those profits and the corporation itself paying taxes. We, we also need to address the income tax laws there because those were only ever intended to be levied against the profit margins of corporations, not against your personal paycheck. 
that's a whole nother fucking rant. But you see where the problem lies. Right off the bat, you are paying someone else to sit on their fucking ass and collect everything you produce. Like Jeff Bezos. Now he's going to be doing even less now that he doesn't hold the office there of like running the company. Yeah, which that BBC article, that's what 90 fucking percent of the article is about. Like, oh, well, he's done all this work for so long. He's pushed paper. Right. While right. other people do actual physical, manual fucking labor in the shipping, the packing, the fucking transportation of it. He's been sitting at a desk pushing paper. I don't call that doing a lot of fucking oh. work. Called that Bezos will, will remain Amazon's largest shareholder. Yep. No surprise. Um, I, I'd also like to point out that 150,000 people have signed a petition to not allow him back on Earth after he, uh, you know, takes his rich man field trip to fucking outer space. Um, Here's a petition. I'd like to sign it. I don't know where it is, but like, I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like news outlets have been reporting on said uh, petition. So I'm not sure where it is, but if you find it, you should post it in the group. Can we add an addendum that every bit of wealth that that fucking gold hoarding dragon holds be distributed first, making sure that all the people who work at Amazon actually get enough fucking pay to fucking equal the value they have put into that company right. and anything else over and above that be distributed to every fucking community in which uh, this company operates and give back to those people too because fuck Jeff Bezos well now it's fuck Andy Jassy because I mean Jeff Bezos molded this guy for 27 fucking years to take over the company oh god yeah, it wasn't actually yeah. it wasn't actually the full twenty seven years, but um, he's been groomed. Yeah, he's been groomed completely. Yeah, Bezos literally fucking molded this dude from a young age. Like, all right, you're ready to take over the company. It's a critical time. Does he even have kids? Because usually, you know, people like that basically anoint their kids as their, you know. Uh, oh God, brain fart. Uh, anoint them to those positions of running the business form after. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he does. I Session. could be wrong. I I don't think he does. I, I don't know. He married. got. I I do know that he got married, and then his wife left him and took half his money. Right. <laughs> right. Like. <laughs> like, hey, darling, if you want to contribute. <laughs> Start taking that money and dispersing it amongst the people. Fucking make life better for those who have been fully exploited by fucking Amazon. It's one of those things like, um, it sucks that that's one of the few places you can actually source certain things for a decent fucking price. Um, but you have to feed the gold hoarding dragon to do it. You know, like there's certain things... Like the Wobenzyme, this shit right here. I fucking take this to help with arthritis pain. It helps with nerve pain, the whole fucking nine yards too. Like it, it is anti-inflammatory on 
the cellular level. But this bottle right here would cost me $350 fucking dollars at a local health food store. And it costs $130 on Amazon. So it's like, and this is just one, one fucking thing. I mean, there's people who go to Amazon constantly because it's the only place they can afford to source certain things. Which so I mean, I understand, but that's why I advocate for socializing Amazon. Right. The, the people who work there need to seize that means of production. You own it. Not Jeff Bezos, not his fucking crony that he just fucking anointed in succession. Um, that company wouldn't happen if it weren't for the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, I don't know, I'd have to look it up, who work for this company and or work for other companies that um, either are selling stuff on there or companies that handle any of the shipping, things like that. Like This is a very large tangled web that all comes back to Amazon profiteering. That money should be going to those people who are doing that work. I agree. I feel the same way about Walmart. It's not that it's a bad thing. There's a place where you can buy cheaply produced shit if you want, but the Walton family shouldn't be raking all that cash. The people who work there should be. I tend to agree with that. Um, anyway, so yeah, you want to uh, you want to hear what what Grandpa Joe had to say this weekend? Oh fuck! I guess hit play. It's bound to be disappointing and inflammatory. Let's hear it. <laughs> no. Can you turn that volume up? No, we're we're on we're That's... on track exactly as to where we expect it to be. But we just oh, damn. To make sure there was enough, quote, running room that we... Let me know if I cause you feedback with this. ...do it all to September. There'll still be some four forces left. But it's a rational drawdown with our allies, and it's making... Uh, so there's no, nothing uh, unusual about it. Are you worried that the Afghan government might fall? I mean, we are hearing about the Taliban is taking more and more districts. Look, we're in that war for 20 years. 20 years. And... Uh, I think I met with uh, the Afghan government here in, in the White House, in the Oval. I think they have the capacity to be able to sustain the government. They're going to have to be down the road, more negotiations, I suspect. But uh, I, am, uh, I am concerned that they deal with the internal issues that they have to be able to generate the kind of support they need nationwide to maintain the government. If there is evidence that Kabul is is threatened, which some of your intelligence reports have suggested it could be in six months or thereabouts, do you think you've got the capability to help provide any kind of air support, military support to them to, to keep the capital safe, even if the U.S. troops are obviously fully out? We have uh, worked out an over-horizon capacity that we can be value-added, but the Afghans are going to have to be able to do it themselves with the Air Force they have and what you're helping them maintain. 
Afghanistan. I'm not going to answer any more question on Afghanistan. Look, the 4th of July. I'm concerned that you guys are asking me questions that I'll answer next week, but on this is a holiday weekend. I'm going to celebrate it. There's great things happening. Economy's growing faster than any Doesn't this sound like Trump? We've got a record number of new jobs. COVID deaths are down 90%. Wages are up faster than any time yeah. in 15 years. We're bringing, out our, bringing our troops home. We have uh, all across America, people are going to ball games and doing good things. This is a good. I'll, be, I'll answer all your negative questions. Not negative, your legitimate questions. I'll answer all your negative <laughs> questions next week. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Oh, oops. No, not negative, but yeah. No, yeah, you said no, what you yeah, said exactly. the first time, asshole. You said what you fucking said, Joe. Right. <laughs> God damn it. Just, what the fuck? Oh, dude. It's just mind-blowing, right? Like, after he got frustrated there, it was exactly like watching a Trump speech. Exact. Oh well, we're doing great things. We've we we're doing great things. We did this great thing, and I did this great thing, and and we're gonna do this great thing, and we're going to ball games again. Like great stuff all around. It'll we're going to ball years. games again. You remember when Trump was like pushing to get the NFL back when people were dying of COVID? It's the same fucking <sighs> oh thing, God. dude. It's the same thing. Motherfuckers think that sports ball is more important than lives themselves. It's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know? Uh, this is what humanity has come to. Get the fuck out of here. <sighs> I mean, does he not look like kind of like Cotton Hill, though? Hank Hill's dad. He looks like lizard people wearing a Cotton Hill suit. Okay, that's that's fair. <laughs> I mean, the, the the only thing is, though, like, you can see the liver spots on Joe's head. <laughs> At least they haven't gotten as big as Gorbachev's yet. This is true. This is very true. That that man had like the whole goddamn map going on up there and shit. Like, <laughs> all right. So tell me, tell me that this doesn't look like Joe Biden answering an uncomfortable question. A negative question? A negative question. <laughs> As he would like to paint it. Like, how dare you ask me a bluntly honest fucking question? That's negativity. And this is when he's yelling at a worker in Detroit saying, I don't work for you. It's still screen sharing the international happening slide. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <That's... laughs> there we go. And this one is when Joe Biden is saying, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. I thought that was when he was talking about kids playing with his leg hair, but okay. <laughs> like this motherfucker. <laughs> it fits for both. 
Replace that sandwich. You re replace that sandwich with an ice cream cone and tell me that's not Joe Biden. Oh my God, he looked so fucking mad at that ice cream cone. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, what the fuck, old man? <laughs> what did that ice cream cone ever do to you? Shit. We. It, we need that picture now to show everybody so they know which one we're referencing. I, I'm working God. on it. I'm working okay. on it. Cause that, that was some shit, man. Like, whoa. <laughs> there, that look. <laughs> what was, what was the joke that I, oh yeah. That he like started biting into his ice cream and then he was like, oh shit. I left the stove on. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm just like, man, he just, he looks vicious there. Like he was either ravenous from not eating for a week or just mad as fuck at that cone. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe both, who knows? All right, I guess that's enough uh, trolling uh, Joe Biden for, there's, for the moment. There's no such thing as too much though, so. <laughs> Anyway, now we're moving on to international happenings. Um, Cuba evacuated uh, more than 180,000 people um, as Tropical Storm Elsa um, probably has made landfall in Cuba by now, actually. Um, so they did the, okay. The page just decided to refresh. That's cool. Um. Oh. What? Did I lose you? Oh, it, the your audio was like for a second. Um, oh. well, I, I was gonna ask you if you were gonna screen share the. Son of a thing. bitch. Yeah, if I can get it to cooperate. <laughs> right. Now we just need some Jeopardy music. And we'll stop there so we don't get copyright fucking flagged for that. All right. So the Cuba government opened shelters and moved to protect sugarcane and cocoa crops out of the storm. Oh, actually, there is an updated article, uh, an updated video actually um the tropical storm has touched land and cube so Shit. let me uh so it's probably already hitting the keys too well i mean there's 90 miles between the the keys I, I mean the rain bands will get there first obviously but but yeah you can see that yeah, it's really not far for a tropical storm to have to travel. It's moving at about 14 miles an hour, though. Why okay. did, where um, did the video go? I don't know. I can still hear it. Me too. I am really That's not liking this site. Fucking am, weird. I am done at site. It was a Florida-based site. Okay, oh. so they might not have that good of signal right now to even be kicking that feed out. Ooh. 
Well, it's not a live feed. Okay. Um, that being said, Tropical Storm also killed two in the Dominican Republic um, after a wall collapsed. Um, and it's looking like late tonight or early tomorrow it should be hitting the west coast of Florida is still what they're saying. But um, I have son of a this is not going to be about Cuba, but it is about how Florida is preparing. Sites on the western side of Florida. A state of emergency has been issued for portions of the state ahead of the storm's arrival Tuesday into Wednesday. To the south, Elsa's winds whipped trees, churned the surf, and brought heavy rains to eastern Cuba Sunday night. 180,000 people were evacuated because of flooding concerns as the Cuban government opened shelters and moved to protect crops ahead of the storm. Before reaching Cuba, Elsa was at hurricane strength and caused a swath of destruction across the Caribbean, killing at least three people. Elsa, the first hurricane to hit Barbados in over 60 years, was also the first hurricane of the Atlantic season and the earliest a fifth storm has been named on record. That typically happens in late August. These storms feed off of warm water and this satellite image shows the storm has weakened, looking less organized as it moves over Cuba. Elsa is expected to move north into the Gulf of Mexico and towards Florida, but at this point it looks like the atmospheric dynamics will keep it at a tropical storm as it makes landfall likely north of Tampa Bay by midweek, with flooding rains being the largest threat. By midweek. Later wow. this week, Elsa could re-intensify to a tropical storm as it moves back over the U.S. Atlantic coast. However, it should start to lose its tropical characteristics and strength over Canadian waters. But depending on the track, there's still the potential for some heavy rain and gusty winds for portions of Atlantic Canada heading into the weekend. The Atlantic hurricane season runs until November 30th. I'm meteorologist Ross Hall. So I just want to point out how early we are in hurricane season for that right. the, the fifth named storm. Um, in how many weeks now? <laughs> June 15th. So. The fifth name storm normally happens, as they just said, in late August. Right. And this is the fifth roughly of July. three weeks, three and a half weeks. Or no, just shy of three weeks. Um, but yeah, yeah that's I mean, horrendous. And the strongest storms don't like ever come uh, early in the season. The strongest storms come later in the season. So I'm hoping that most of them don't make landfall. That's that's really all I can hope. Right. Um, yeah, moving on. International, why did I, oh, that was international. Okay, so that's really all I got. Is there a, well, actually, I want to do our normal, like, weekly check-in on Myanmar. Um, 
And there was a, there was a, I, I, I do want to talk about the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party, though, because I've noticed some real hypocritical actions on social media pertaining to their celebrations. They put on some nice fireworks display and, you know, flew a bunch of red flags around and apparently it's brainwashing and propaganda, but less than a week later, we did the same thing here like we do every year. Right. But it's not brainwashing and propaganda when we do it. No, that's, that's just hypocrisy of, you know, the systemic racism going on there. Um, cause literally it, it's always pointed at like that whenever it is a country that has a majority population of people with pigment, but it's okay for, you know, everybody in Walmart to bust out in song singing the national anthem. And that's not fucking being brainwashed. Okay. Um, it's American exceptionalism. Oh man, I have missed uh, comments. Comments, yeah. What's up? (laughs) Ron said Trump just just pulled shit out of his ass. At least Joe has some facts behind what he said. I'll concede that, but the mentality is still the same. He wasn't lying when he told his donors nothing will fund nothing nothing will fundamentally change. He still stands opposed to socialized medicine. He still stands opposed to raising the minimum wage. And and I mean, I'm basing this off of how the entire party is acting about it. Oh, well, we can't get the Republican votes. Okay, so you force the vote. Just don't do anything. (laughs) Right, exactly. So you force force the vote. And then we have a literal yes and no checklist of who to reelect, regardless of party. Oh, you're for socialized medicine. All right, let's fucking do it. But no, they won't. They won't do it. They, the Democrats will not do it. Well, there needs to be a cross-referencing fucking checklist also for campaign promises versus what did you actually fucking do? Because so far, we're like zero for five or six, <laughs> you know, and uh, during campaign season, it's like, oh, yeah, the Democratic Party's going to do this great shit. Sounds awesome. Here's a list. And now that we're, you know halfway through the first year of his fucking presidency. <laughs> well, has any of that even been started on? Anything done? No, none. Um, the Democratic Party turns around like, yeah, the best I can do is nothing. Right. And I mean, even the more progressive ones, I mean, I'll still always admire Bernie because I mean, even if I currently don't think that he's far enough left. He was a, a key part of my radicalization, and I'm not going to try to denounce right. that at all. Um, plus, I mean, if we can't have him as president where he's at right now, um, you know, really should give him the Trump card, but it doesn't because the fucking Senate parliamentarian can overrule him. Uh, but that being said, I mean, Bernie has been trying to say if progressive demands aren't met, that he's not voting on the infrastructure bill and they need his vote to pass anything. So, I mean, I'll give him credit, but where is AOC taking that same line? Instead, AOC is talking to media, talking about how Joe Biden's doing such a great job and denouncing the socialists saying that they, 
you know, haven't achieved anything, yada, 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 instead of like talking about why. Which is also oh, funny I, because she describes herself as a de democratic socialist and then says that socialists don't accomplish anything. She's too busy sucking on the DNC's proverbial cock right now. She's gone full DNC bootlicker, however the fuck you want to put it. If, if there is an opportunity to get the fuck in line with the party instead of, I don't know, in line with her own campaign promises, she takes the party. And then Nina Turner is, uh, she released her official platform the other day and uh, she's talking about making Medicare for all a state by state basis. Like her, her campaign includes advocating for state level legislatures to implement a Medicare for all policy. I see that as far more far fetched than getting it done at the federal level. Right. Not to mention it, it doesn't go far enough because, okay, like for example, right now, if, if you're say on Medicaid in Michigan, your Medicaid's only good in Michigan. If you're out of state and get sick or injured, you're fucked until you get back home because you don't have any coverage. State by state level does not go far enough. Doesn't and fucking I, help. I totally agree. So, I, I mean, I, I guess that there, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the rift between the actual left and the Democrats is coming to the fore again. Yeah. The only reason any actual leftists were involved with the DNC at all was Bernie's presidential campaigns, was the campaigns of the squad, who I'm not saying that they all have gone back on their campaign promises, uh, but most of them have. And then, you know, Nina yeah. Turner is saying, oh, if you're disappointed in AOC, you're going to be disappointed in me. And then less than a week later, she releases her platform advocating for a state level Medicare for all. Are you fucking kidding me? Like you're taking these barely socialist to begin with policies that are already watered down by trying to make them palatable for the Democratic Party. Right. And then you're weakening them yeah. even more. We don't need this kind of of step-by-step -step reform that's going to get overturned in the next election cycle. We need lasting change. But Rob, this is the DNC's fucking play-by-play -play, directly from their playbook of if you're starting with half measures, you better quarter them and then eighth them and then cut them down to a 16th. Isn't that a Dean joke? I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like I've heard Dean do that. Dean Possibly. just, maybe Dean's just <laughs> on my mind. I miss you, Dean. I know that you're probably going to listen to this eventually, and I miss you. I miss you too, man. Like, dude, I miss him. I miss Austin, you know, which at least Austin's gotten to join us a couple of times recently. But, like, yeah, it's not the same without having the whole crew. I agree. But, um, um but yeah, who knows that that very well could be a Deanism. It wouldn't surprise me. It just fucking entered brain, exited mouth, cause no filter. And so if he has said that before, he would not be wrong. It's just an observation that the DNC just starts from a fucking compromised position in every fucking facet. Doesn't matter what problem they're supposedly addressing. 
And, and I mean, I do understand that we have to start somewhere to drag our what's left of our democracy from the far right that it's been beaten to over the last 30 or 40 years, especially. But that doesn't make the Democrats the left. I think that one of the two major parties is going to go away and the other will remain as the right wing party. And I think another, I think an actual leftist party is going to pop up that probably is already around um, and, you know, right. like just... act actually be a voice for the people because I think at this point, I'll say more people, it's still not enough, but more people are realizing that the two-party system is fundamentally flawed and it, it, it's broken. Right. And it's and, not representing anybody on the left. Right, at all. I mean, even if you're just a democratic socialist, that's not represented in our government. Right. I and mean, we, like we have neoliberals <laughs> and quasi-fascists represented in our fucking federal government. Right. But basically anything that isn't inherently pro-capitalism is, you know, I don't know, frowned upon, treated like fucking it needs to be demonized or something because it doesn't worship the fucking almighty dollar. But um, the fact of the matter is lives are more important than money. There's, there's no excuse for shit being run the way that it is right now. And we need to actually fucking see a shift there. Um whether it be a unification and you know some actual solidarity happening between all of these various parties that are actually on the left coming together um there has to be an end to the infighting so we can actually get something done because if we were to unify well, i mean i think there also needs to be a real vanguard party if we're going to have any sort of communist influence movement right um, and I mean, don't get me wrong, the Party for Socialism and Liberation is trying to take a, a dual power approach, you know, both in and outside of electoral politics, but electing a couple of socialists, a couple of Marxist-Leninists in that matter, uh, to Congress or even to president isn't going to change this system. We need, we need to build- Many seats at the table. Right. Right. And I mean, that's how Germany got their social democracy. The Social Democratic Party that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what we need to see here is actually having a fair number of these seats represented by the amount of population that is actually leftist. Which just keeps growing as more people are going, wait a fucking minute, we can see these inherent flaws in capitalism and it's driving them further fucking left, radicalizing people and it's, you know, the system is fucking scared. Fuck, look at what Facebook's doing this week. Like, oh my God, if you're afraid that somebody's being radicalized, report them. Like, hold the fucking train. You Yeah, right. Like, we're fine with Native genocide. We're fine with the enslavement of African Americans. We're fine with enslavement today for punishment of a crime but the people but that oppose this system exactly you're exactly. the extremists like wait what um having ethics makes us fucking extremists now 
Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I believe that we should all, you know, have a place to live and have access to health care and food to eat without the fucking... That's the thing. Right now, the, like, doesn't matter where you work, an employer can always hold that over your head. Oh, well, where are you going to sleep? What are you going to eat? And you will always contribute to the system for that reason. Enough is enough. I mean, you have limited options. You can, you know, stop working for other people and create your own business, become an entrepreneur. If you have certain types of skills as well as assets, let's be honest, it takes money to fucking actually start anything up along those lines. So only if you already have some capital can you comfortably do that without losing your entire ass in the process. You know, yeah. it, but land of freedom, competition drives everything here. Don't you want to be successful? I want to plant my successful foot in your ass. Not yours, but you know, theirs. Like, <sighs> So frustrating. Until we see economic equality, we're going to keep dealing with these same fucking circumstances. People like to talk about how they'd love to end world hunger. What's your greatest wish? Oh, world peace. But they're not willing to cut the funds for war and, I don't know, put them into feeding people. Hypocritical at best. And rant. Anyway, as you can see, we are on Facebook. We have our page as well as the support group, which has now been renamed the education group. Education Um, and discussion. Yes because discussion is always welcome at the table. Um, We also have our mutual aid organizing group. Um, We can be found on Twitter at For We Are Many Too, on Instagram at For We Are Many Podcast, as well as on TikTok, um, and on YouTube at For We Are Many Podcast. We have our webpage, www.forwearemany.org. We are currently building more content there. I was also going to say, if you have any experience in WordPress or if you are a content creator and you would Mm -hmm. like to join us, let us know. Mm -hmm. Uh, We honestly need some help uh, since Dean has been absent lately. Um, We don't know what the hell we're doing with WordPress, if we're honest. It hasn't been updated since May, and we want to be able to post articles like we were and we want to be able to host our live streams there like we were talking about so if anybody is more familiar with wordpress than i am um we'd like to hear it from right right please help if you'd like to write a column we have room for that on the website too we you know had started setting up a couple of columns for writing articles and stuff um there's definitely room to grow there uh same for like if you produce any type of video coverage of events going on whether it be protests um yeah i mean for that matter i don't care if it's a a 30 second clip or you know like an interview that you got with somebody on the ground or like whatever 
it doesn't have to be, you know, a full in-depth news story. Although, I mean, if you want to do that, I'm not opposed to that either. But, like, I mean, if all you want right. to do is take a couple of clips, that's fine. <laughs> right. We just want uh, to show that there are other people that are like-minded that are out there in the real world building the world that we want to see tomorrow. Right. And amplify those voices. Be able to actually, you know bring some more solidarity to the table. You know, if there's a protest going on that isn't being covered by the mainstream media, but needs to be shown because it's fucking important. Like the line three. Around. Oh yes. my God. I, line three. Yes. I, brought, I brought up that I wanted to talk about that today, but I almost forgot. Well, not like almost forgot, almost forgot, but like I almost forgot the, um, pull up the unicorn riot footage uh today again there well today there was more people there was over a dozen people chained to a chained or otherwise locked to equipment today last time it was three i think um hold on four days ago what Well, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter that that one's older. I don't really need to uh, dig around for it. It's still, it's still this week. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to sit here and play the whole five-hour stream, but I kind of just want to show you what the situation is like. Okay. Holy shit. Okay. So... The lady that is uh, locked to the steering wheel of this thing up on the top is asking. So, like, she got a cop to give her a cigarette and light it for her. I thought that was kind of cool. But, uh, oh, that's not the same. That's not even the same machine. Never mind. But anyway. I'm, I'm just going to kind of skip around here because I'm hoping that I'll cut into one of the spots where they're like panning out and showing you the bigger thing. There's two work sites less than a half a mile apart and almost every day these uh, Lakota, well they're not all Lakota, some of them are, that's one of the tribes that's involved, there's several, but these water protectors are going out there and risking arrest or worse every day chaining themselves or lockboxing themselves into or through this equipment so the workers can't get anything done and i've been seeing some really fucking gross uh police are coming on site right now like on their facebook feed there was so many right wingers in there and i'm just like you still don't realize that water is more important than oil right uh no, they don't. They, they value fucking profits. And they're like, how dare you hold up the capitalism happening there? Fucking assholes. Like, because water is more important. Water will always be more important than this artificial thing we have created ourselves called money. You know found to be uh, contributing to the sex trafficking industry. 
it's itself. So, and those are, Look you know, just the size people of who have been caught. Though. And then think about so, the fact that it's going to be under pressure. This current construction is already contributing to human trafficking, to sex trafficking. The sign says honor, honor the treaties and stop sign, uh, recently uh, stop line three. at um right. Also, if anybody is unaware of what she's referencing there with the human trafficking, it's because every fucking time one of these projects um, is happening on Native American the, land and bringing all of these fucking people in from outside, girls and women start disappearing from the tribes and being forced into sex trafficking. So that's what she's referring there to, drawing that line, connecting the fucking dots of every time you fucking oil tycoons come in, we disappear. A potential non-easement and said... Well, not we, the journalist is white. The um, because of that, they were preventing vehicles from entering... I was referring to women. resistance camp that's privately owned. It's in Hubbard County, but privately owned. And the, the Hubbard County Sheriff's Department uh was blockading and barricading people in and preventing people from leaving um in vehicles so uh that happened for about two days and um some water protectors ended up realizing and pointing out that uh the second uh river crossing for the mississippi river uh was finished on tuesday and that might um you know have to do with the fact that uh one camp was blockaded during that time um, when I spoke with the Hubbard County Land Commissioner about the timing and why uh, that driveway was blockaded and barricaded, um, he said that there had not been a sign and there had not been an apparent easement for a while. He actually said he had, as long as he knew about it, it had never had one. So the timing was suspect because all of a sudden it was being enforced and uh, it does not seem to be normal practice for uh, easements to be barricaded and prevent the private property owner where that easement leads to uh, to be barricaded if there's not an easement. You know, there might be like, it wouldn't lead to that easement being barricaded. Um, yeah, and as of Tuesday evening, police were not uh, staying, like, parked right, right by that driveway entrance. So that timing suggested it, they may have been trying to prevent uh, people from uh, maybe trying to uh, take action against the Mississippi River crossing uh, drilling. Okay, so I mean, over, I'm gonna pause this. Over here, where you, you see the stop sign, right? Over here is another work site and there is people that are locked onto equipment there as well. So, yeah. Um, that being said, uh we showed a clip last week that showed a native american woman who is an organizer of these events asking um 
Well, I mean, anybody really, but ultimately, you know, fellow people on the left or, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. I mean, there was a lot of indigenous voices in Black Lives Matter last summer, but I mean, now it's time to return the favor. You know what I'm saying? Like, Right. They need solidarity from all of the other groups that they have been protesting with for other matters. In some cases, they need for years. Support. Right. Um, but yeah, this is really coming down to the wire. Line three is almost on. There needs to be more people out doing this if if they're really gonna have a real chance at stopping it or at swaying okay. public opinion. Um, right. I've also seen right wing attacks say that what they're doing is violent. That I mean, what I just showed you is no more violent than anything else in this five and a half hours. They're not being right. violent I've at all. Zero violence. That that's not violent. That's literally defined as non-violent peaceful protest i but mean I, I would refer to it as direct action rather than just yes. simple protest but um, absolutely it's both i mean this is kind of one of the oldest tricks in the book for you know these type of i mean when there was indigenous people in the amazon fighting to defend the rainforest that's exactly what they were doing they were you know chaining mm -hmm. themselves chaining to the themselves to the trees chaining themselves to the trees exactly so how is it somehow violent when an and when an indigenous culture that's lived here for you know 10 fucking thousand years how are you going to try to tell them that they are out of line by trying to protect their water especially when at least in the case of of the lakotas there is a, a prophecy um in their in their culture if i understand it correctly that basically says that a black snake will run through their lands and poison their water right yeah oil right and uh then there will be a coalition of rainbow warriors right that yep. will reverse the damage and bring about the golden age okay so like and, and there's a lot of, of mythology like this around the world, okay? And I don't think that's a coincidence. I guess what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say here is that um, if we want a better world, we have to be those rainbow warriors. We have to be the generation that finally stands up. And it has to be a coalition of people of all colors and all stripes. Mm -hmm. It has to be the entire working class. Right, it's gonna take everybody coming together to do this and we have the responsibility to do so. It's one thing a lot of people aren't wanting to see through their lenses of apathy that this is our fucking responsibility. We're supposed to be stewards of this earth, not the fucking destroyers of it. Yeah, um, I'm going to go back and check the comments, but then um, I'm, I'm probably going to wrap this up if that's cool with you. That is indeed. Natalie said, Bernie will always have a piece of my heart. I would still be thinking as a liberal without learning the difference. Oh, my God. So accurate. Same. So yeah. accurate. <laughs> Same. He radicalized a lot of us. And then we went further left than him. 
<laughs> right. Which, I mean, honestly, I think that he has built his entire career on trying to find what is the far left in our government and kind of ride that line, you know? Like, he's trying right. to bring socialist policy into the, the mainstream discussion. Um, I don't right. think that he really gives a shit whether or not he wins the elections or not. He's trying to change people's minds, and that's half the fucking battle. Right. I'm even showing people that, okay, even operating within the current capitalistic system, we can still put basic safety measures in place to make sure that nobody is living in total fucking destitution. And again, we have a responsibility to do so. Um, I don't know who this quote is from at this point in time because I read this years ago, but uh, they were saying that the a society can be judged by how those who are best off in it treat those who are worst off in it. So the name didn't stick, but the concept certainly fucking did. Look at what we're doing to ourselves here, to each other. Look what we're allowing to happen. Shit's got to change. As Grace Street Boggs said, we are the leaders we've been waiting for. Yeah. Angela Davis said something very similar. And fucking deed. Uh, Natalie also the said Rainbow Trish. Warriors. Right, exactly. Uh, the Rainbow Warriors. You know, the Rainbow Coalition founded by Fred Hampton of the Chicago Black Panther Party. You know. Yeah. Uniting what, all what, poor people. Exactly. All working what, class. Exactly. Anyway, Natalie said, Trish, I think they would need to cover emergencies out of state, even in an MCO and HMO insurance network in the state. Uh, the problem is, is that Medicare or Medicaid rather at the state level has been privatized and it's literally state-based plans. Um, yep. You can't, you can't see a provider out of state uh, without paying it out of pocket and in most states. Right. Um, I think California's um, is a little bit different and Vermont's is a little bit different. But other than that, I think it's pretty across the board. Uh, she also asked, is Dean doing okay? And frankly, I don't have a straight answer for you. The best answer I can give you is I hope so. Uh, I haven't talked to him that much in the past couple of weeks. I've been just trying to, you know, give him his space. I don't want to pressure him into coming back uh, before he's ready. Right. Um, Natalie also asked, I think, or said rather, I think the current duopoly will fight it tooth and nail. And yes, they absolutely will. Look at what they do to the Green Party. Uh, the Democrats put up HR1, touting it as a, the, what, didn't they call it the For the People Act? But it restricts um, access for third parties to get on the ballot. Right. How is that for the people? <laughs> right. Not, but that's the fucking. One of the biggest points of propaganda in this fucking country is to just downright fucking lie about the contents of the bill in its name. Like the Patriot Act. There's nothing patriotic about any of that bullshit. No. And I mean, not that I would like to necessarily follow in the footsteps of our founding fathers, but, you know, like, I feel like even our founding fathers would have been stacking bodies by now. <laughs> You know they would have. You know they would have. They stacked bodies over a fucking tea tax and shit. They'd be stacking bodies for 
fucking decades at this point if they were still around. Fair. Um, Natalie said both parties demonize <laughs> the word socialism. I'm going to interject in the middle of your comment to say that that's because they are both neoliberal capitalist parties. Bingo. Uh, I was naive and really thought Bernie had a chance to win 2019. I think you mean 2020, and frankly, so did I. I mean, like, I had largely lost faith in electoral politics until Bernie announced his 2020 campaign. And I was like, oh, well, you know, if Bernie wins and we get enough progressives in in 2022, then maybe we have a shot. But that is that has changed. I don't think that electoral politics by themselves are enough anymore. We have to be out on the streets actually building the world we want to see. That's all there is to it. All right as much direct action as possible it takes both sides of that equation like yes we absolutely need to make changes fundamentally in our fucking laws but that again it's gonna take both having some influence politically and fucking direct action and just saying given the history pieces we've been exploring lately you can see that burning shit down gets shit done. It's the only thing. In our history, the only thing that has enacted change is burning shit down. The Civil Rights Act came yep. from burning shit down. Uh, the 14th Amendment came from burning shit down. Burning shit down. Or, you know, uh, John Brown building up a fucking slave army to slaughter slave owners. I mean, that is what got shit done. Yes. <laughs> Precisely. It requires taking action and going, okay, this might not be legal, but it's right. So, is it the definition of right and wrong that needs to change, or is it the legal, you know, form of protest that you're taking? Shouldn't you change the law instead of trying to change your stance ethically? Yeah. It's one of those things sometimes burning some shit down is absolutely necessary and called for yeah uh like, natalie said or said rob i was wondering if you still wanted me to be a group moderator for the facebook group uh just to answer yeah. that yeah um i absolutely. sent i sent you a, an invite it's probably you know five days buried in your notifications at this point i'll have to cancel it and send a new one probably <laughs> um but yeah um we absolutely would would enjoy that. I I keep an eye on it when I can, but um, that's you know I can't literally be on my phone all the time. I'm already on it too much. <laughs> um, Same. And, and it's okay. So I don't. Much we can juggle on the glowing boxes. <laughs> all right. Um, I don't need your email for anything unless you want to get in on our Slack channel. Uh, which is kind of where we share things to put in the next current event stream or, you know, like mark where we are in the Black Panther Party stream. I mean, it's a pretty basic organizing app. Uh, but I, that being said, if you're not going to be like on the streams with us, which I'm not saying you have to by any means, but then there's not really a point to have you on there unless you want to be able to, you know, share news articles to it for these streams or stuff like that. Um, but if you want, you let you, us know how deep you want to get involved, and we will add you where you want to be added at. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's a better way of 
wording it. Um, nothing, uh, Natalie said nothing comes without some conflict. And exactly. Right. Um, no, I want to thank everybody for showing out tonight. Our our viewership was really, really good until Facebook kind of, well, I should say until Universal fucked us. And I'm willing to bet that our, our claim will be accepted as soon as we're not live anymore. Right. Probably. Which sucks, because, yeah. They keep, they keep booting our viewership, and then a lot of people don't know if we've come back on live or not, you know? Right. Um, anyway... That's all I got for tonight. It's been real. Natalie, at least you and Robert are uh, mods on the page now, so at least you guys still got to watch it, even though it's not public anymore. Um, Great. Thanks for hanging with us. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to have to message James and be like, hey, you're going to have to watch it on YouTube, which honestly, he could be. Let me check Restream real quick. We have a viewer on YouTube. That could be James. Possibly. Yeah. Um, all right. Anyway, that's all I got. Thank you for joining us. We will be back on Thursday uh, at 8 p.m. for our Revolutionary Left Book Club. And we will be releasing a piece on Eugene Debs on Wednesday. Uh, that'll be the same time as the streams are that it'll, it'll be released. We're not gonna do it as a premiere because if we don't promote it enough, then literally nobody watches it. Um, so, you know, just keep an eye out for it. We'll share it around to groups like we usually do. Uh, we'll try to get it in front of you, but now you know about it. So, um, let's see. So yeah, Wednesday we have that. Next Wednesday we'll have part two of that. Thursday, we have our Black Panther Party pieces, which is part of the Revolutionary Left Book Club. Um, and then, obviously, next Monday, we'll have the current event stream again. So, plenty of opportunities to hear us or see us in the next week. And um, I've already said it a million times, but thank you guys for joining us. Yes, thank you. And if there's anything that you'd like us to take a look into, just let us know and we will cover it on the next current event.